looking in Scripture, and we have 10, day, or 10 Sundays until Easter. And uh, anyhow, uh, uh, I know for most of y'all, y'all ain't thought that far ahead, but for the church, uh, uh, we've, been, we've been planning, we've been trying to do some things, we've been getting the calendars ready and getting it all together, and uh, of course we have all kind of stuff lined up. February, coming into March, we have the Beast Feast, and so we're trying to plan that in April. Uh, by the way, Brother James, we're doing uh, Biker Sunday, the last Sunday of April, just so you know. And <laughs> uh, uh, We're still a ways away from it, so we got time. But anyhow, all these things that we were working on, trying to get our calendar set and trying to make sure that we have all these things, one of the things that we're doing in Easter is we're doing another drama like we did last year. And uh, so we've been preparing for that and trying to get ready for that. My mind's been on that. And uh, the times are leading up to this. And uh, I was doing some studying in, the, the, in Luke chapter number 18, uh, specifically doing some studying in there. And uh, anyhow, uh, it was where Jesus began uh, his trip to Jerusalem. And uh, this is for... Uh, the Passover feast, which uh, in Luke chapter number 18, you know it's coming towards the end of his life. So it's the last Passover that he would uh, go to. And of course, we know that he died, right, on the Passover. He was going to the feast of the Passover, the feast of unleavened bread. Uh, the Bible tells us that those two are uh, synonymous. They're, they're, they're the same. They, they go hand in hand. And so uh, Jesus in Luke chapter number 18, I'm going to be in Exodus 12. If you're turning uh, in your Bible, you can find Exodus chapter number 12. But I was in Luke chapter number 18 and uh, Jesus says in verse number 31, then he took unto him the 12 and said unto them, behold, we go up to Jerusalem and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the son of man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, and shall be mocked and spitefully entreated and spitted upon, or spitted on. And they shall scourge him and put him to death, and the third day he shall rise again. And they understood none of these things, and this saying was hid from them, neither knew they the things which were spoken. And so here Jesus is foretelling his death and he's foretelling his death that is going to happen on the Passover. He says, the Bible tells us that he gets his disciples together, he gathers them together and he says, all right, we're going up to Jerusalem. Because of his wording of that, we know that he was somewhere in the area of Jericho or the Dead Sea. If you go over to Israel with us, uh, this will become all too, uh, you, you, you'll greatly understand this. As we go over to Israel, we go to the Dead Sea and you're 1,300 and something feet below sea level. All right, and so uh, anyhow, a very tropical area uh, uh, around uh, the Galilee area, and anyhow, from there up to Jerusalem, when the Bible tells us they're going up to Jerusalem, Jerusalem sits on a mount, it sits 3,000 feet above sea level. And so as you're looking and as you're, you can imagine when we come from Jericho and we're going up to Jerusalem, as you're going on the trip to Jerusalem from a long way off, you can see the city of Jerusalem because it's like, is everybody with me? 
straight up the hill, okay? And so when Jesus says that they're going up, uh, the Bible tells us that they're going up to Jerusalem. Uh, he would have been in this area of Jericho. Now, as we continue in the Scripture, and I'm not going to, but as we continue in the Scripture, we know that at this time they passed through Jericho. And uh, we'll probably get into that next Sunday as they pass through Jericho and they come upon two blind men sitting by the road. Uh, you and I know the story and the name of one of the blind men as being Bartimaeus, all right? Uh, but uh, this is the best that I can figure, and I might be wrong. I ain't going to say that I'm always right, but the best that I can figure, this is 10 days prior to the cross. So as we looked at this thing, we got 10 weeks to the Passover or to uh, Easter. And so I want to walk us through maybe the last 10 days of Jesus' life if we can. Now, we're not going to do that all in one service, all right? So y'all stay with me. Uh, you're okay. And I know some of y'all are like, good Lord, is this 10 points? It's not 10 points, all right? We are only going to deal with the Passover today because that is where Jesus is headed. I want us to get a good understanding of the Passover before we get into all or the days leading up to the Passover. I want us to understand the Passover first. And so as we go through this passage of Scripture in Exodus chapter number 12, things may seem familiar to you. You probably heard them. I know you've heard me say things about uh, the Passover and different things of that nature. But what I want us to do as we walk through this is I want us to put everything together in a, a chronological order. And I want you to understand that as we near this in these last or these 10 weeks, leading up to Easter, I want to walk with Jesus for 10 days as he heads to the cross. Is everybody with me? And so uh, we're going to look at it in that manner. I want you to have that thought as the Bible tells us or as, uh, uh, as Jesus informs us that he is going to Jerusalem for the Passover. Now, for us to understand that, we got to go back to Exodus chapter number 12. In Exodus chapter number 12, God is delivering the children of Israel, all right? At this point, God has created a nation in Israel, and He has created a, na a nation through Abraham, all right? We call him Father Abraham for a reason, all right? The Bible tells us that God made a covenant with Abraham. We call it the Abrahamic covenant and where God would bless the seed of Abram, all right, which God later changed his name to Abraham, but God would bless the seed of Abram and he would bless those that bless him and curse those that curse him and make a great nation of him, all right? And from his seed. And of course, we know this is the Hebrews or the nation of Israel. Now, God creates this nation. God, uh, we go through the book of Genesis and we read about the patriarchs, but we came to uh, 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 Jacob. And in the time of Jacob, uh, the Bible tells us that Joseph, we all know the story of Joseph being thrown in a pit, but God used Joseph to uh, uh, feed the family during a famine. At that time, the family moves to Egypt. And for the next 400 years, they came, the Bible says there came a Pharaoh that knew not Joseph. And so for the next 400 years, all right, the nation of Israel is being built, all right, under the umbrella of Egypt. 
In other words, this nation is developing, this nation is growing in bondage under Egypt as slaves under Egypt. For 400 years, it's prophesied of in the Bible and it's also told, uh, uh, well, it's prophesied of uh, in the Old Testament, but it's also uh, rehashed in the New Testament of this 400 years of bondage. In places, it's called 432 years. It's not a contradiction of Scripture because we do not know how long they lived there while not being in bondage. So very well, they could have been there 32 years of Joseph's life. Joseph dies. A new king comes that knew not Joseph. And so they then become in bondage. But God tells us that for 400 years, this nation would be in bondage. The Bible goes on in the book of Exodus. And as you can imagine, the book of Exodus, it literally means the exit. All right, is everybody with me? And so it very much lines up with our life. Matter of fact, it's one of my favorite, if not my favorite, Old Testament book. It lines up with the Christian life. For see, I was in bondage. You were in bondage. The Bible says, wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. The Bible says, for all have sinned, and come short of the glory of God. The Bible instructs us that sin was like a... A, a, a taskmaster. It was like a, a ruler over us and we were in bondage to it. And then God, everybody help me right here, delivered us the same way that he delivers the children of Israel. I hope that we get to stay around Exodus just for a few weeks uh, as we look at this because I, I got some things on my mind that I want to show you. But, but we must first look at this Passover. So 400 years they've been in bondage. 400 years they have started to cry out to God, a nation has been built in bondage, a nation has been built under the uh, umbrella of the Egyptians, and now they cry out to God to be delivered. And so God delivers them through a man. We know this man as Moses, all right? God has an interceder. God has somebody that comes in, an advocate, if you will, and it is his prophet, Moses. He brings Moses. Moses there and tells Moses earlier in Exodus that he's going to deliver, use him to deliver the nation of Israel. The Bible says that Moses comes before the king of Pharaoh and he says, let my people, God said to tell you to let my people go. And Pharaoh looks at God or looks at Moses and he says, who is this God that says I should let you go? He says, literally, I do not know who he is. This is what he's saying. I, I don't know him. Who, who, this is what, this, is everybody all right? Uh, this is how Pharaoh looks at it. He says, hey, th- if, if we could get in the mind of Pharaoh, Pharaoh's saying, I'm God. Who are you? Who's he think he is? Is everybody all right? Who is this God that I should obey him and let these people go? And so God begins a contest. All right. We know it as the 10 plagues. How many of y'all has ever read about the 10 plagues, right? Well, the 10 plagues, there ain't very many of y'all. How many of y'all read about the 10 plagues? Okay, I just want to make sure. All right, so the 10 plagues, it isn't just a story that's pretty cool, right? It is God in a contest with the gods, little g and an S on the end of it, of Egypt. So uh, you have Egypt, and they worshipped many gods. They worshipped all kind of gods. They had all kind of idols, and they had all of these things. And Pharaoh said, who is this God? And so God said, 
I'll show you. Is everybody all right? I will show you who I am. And so there was 10 contests, if you will. I'm not going to go through the contest, but we come to the 10th one, and this is the end all. So God begins, and he goes through this contest, and with each uh, a plague that is brought upon uh, uh, Egypt, the Egyptians now see that God is greater than the God that they worship. Is everybody with me? And so they, they, they worship a God, uh, an idol that they think is going to protect them and protect the Nile, and God deals with the Nile. And, and, and on and on and on, God shows them that He is greater. All right, And we come to the 10th plague, and it's the catch-all. In other words, this is the one where God is going to show who He really is. All right, And God is sending a plague, and He is going to kill the firstborn of every man, of every animal, of everything in Egypt. Now what you now to understand is, is the children of Israel is also in Egypt. And so this plague not only applies to the Egyptians, but it also applies to the Israelites. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter number 11 that it was by faith that they killed the Passover lamb and put the blood on the doorpost. And so it was, is everybody hearing me right now, had they not done that, they would have met the same fate as the Egyptians. All right, because they were in the land of Egypt and it was a blanket plague, if you will, that covered all the Egyptians, it covered all the Israelites, it covered everybody. But God made a way for them to be delivered. All right, as we look at this this morning, I want you to first off, I, I, let's read a little bit, but I want you to first off understand that God's uh, wrath was coming upon these people. The Bible tells us, and the Lord, I'm in verse number one of Exodus 12, and the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, this month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel. This is very interesting wording here. This congregation of Israel leads us into the New Testament and the word that we use called church. And so as you see this, this is the first time that Israel is considered to be and called a congregation, is brought together as a congregation, but it is a reference that would later uh, we would understand as a church in the New Testament. So he says, speak ye unto all the congregation. And uh, he says, saying, in the the 10th day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb. According to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. The Bible says, and if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto the house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. 
And then the Bible switches it up and says, Your lamb shall be without spot or without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it out of uh, or out from the sheep or from the goats. Uh, this simply means that when they use this wording here, when they said a lamb, it referred, and the way that they used it, it was for either a young lamb or a young sheep or a young goat. So no contradiction here. This was the wording that was used back uh, in uh, this time and in their language, all right? And the Bible tells us, it goes on in verse number 6 and says, And ye shall keep it unto, uh, up until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it, in the evening, and they shall take of the blood and strike on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the houses wherein uh, they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire, all right, and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Keep going with me if you will. I can't read my Bible. I ain't got enough light, all right? Eat not of it raw nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire his head with his legs and with the pertinence thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. And that which remaineth of it until the morning ye shall burn with fire. And thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, don't stop right here at this verse for a minute. And your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's, is everybody with me right here? Amen. Passover. All right. Now we're going to keep reading. We're going to read to verse number 14, but I want to stop on this verse right here because I want you to notice how God had them eat this. It wasn't one of those things where gather your friends together, let's sit around the table and let's eat. The Bible tells us that they were to be ready. They were to have their clothes on. All right. They were to have their shoes on. They were to have their staff in their hand and they were to be ready. They were to eat it in haste. Why? Because God was going to deliver them. Once again, I want to show you that this was an act of faith. In other words, they were believing that God was going to do what he said he was going to do. And for them to be delivered, they had to be ready as God prescribed and they had to be ready to go. All right. Now, verse number uh, 12. For I will pass. This is, this is God's wrath. Listen to me now. We don't like this preaching. We don't like this preaching because our society has taught us that Jesus is, uh, is love and Jesus is all full of compassion and he is. But you have to understand what you are being saved from and what we are being saved from is the wrath of God. And so God lays this out for the Egyptians and all of the land of Egypt. And he says, for I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, there's, that, there's this contest. He's being done with it. God's gone through. This is the 10th plague. This is the catch-all. God's going to, he's going to defeat all the gods. He said, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute, everybody say the word with me, judgment. All right, does everybody understand? This is God's wrath. You understand? God is laying it out for not only the children of Israel, but God is laying it out for the Egyptians. He's laying it out for everybody. I need everybody to hear me right here. The Egyptians, they also, had, they knew about this. 
All right? They chose not to. Is everybody okay? Listen, you don't make this. All this doesn't happen under the nose of Pharaoh without Pharaoh knowing what's going on. And so all of this is going on. God says, I'm going to execute judgment. I am the Lord. God had still not convinced Pharaoh of who he was, even though God had defeated all of these gods, nine of them before or prior to this 10th plague. And so the Bible says, I and Jesus said, or God said, I am the Lord. Verse number 13. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, how many of y'all remember singing this song? I will pass over you. And so the Passover literally has in its meaning when God sees the blood, he will pass over you. Does everybody understand this? All right, so we see it in the physical sense here, but everybody, is, is, your, is the wheels turning? This is in the spiritual sense. Are your wheels turning? When God sees the blood, he will pass over you, all right? The judgment of God, the wrath of God, all right? How do I avoid the wrath of God? It's through the blood, all right? So Jesus, the Bible says, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you. Look at what it says, to destroy you. All right, if there, was any, if there was any doubt in your mind how this thing was going to go, God's telling the children of Israel, His chosen people, the one that He created out of Abram, the one that He birthed out of Abram, the one that He has nurtured to where it's at, He told them, He said, if you don't put this blood over the doorpost, He says, you will find the same fate as them. If you do put the blood on the doorpost, he says, I will pass over you when I see the blood and the plague that is going to be on all of Egypt, all right, it shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Go to verse number 14, we're done reading. The Bible says, and this day shall be unto you for a memorial and ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations Ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. All right? So, as we move towards the Passover, which is about 10 weeks away, all right, I want you to understand that God is telling the children of Israel that He wants them to remember this night. As we look at this, I want you to see three things, and I'm going to be done. I'm going to get you out of here. I'm going to do my best to get you out of here in about 10, 15 minutes, all right? So stay with me. God's wrath we see to begin with. I need you to understand this because God's wrath was coming on them regardless of what they did as far as prayer, regardless of what they did as far as works. In other words, there was only one way for them to avoid the wrath of God. I think that we've watered down Christianity so much and we've watered down salvation so much that we have made it as though we're gaining something when we don't understand that we're being saved from something. In other words, what I'm trying to tell you is God's wrath has already been determined upon man. God's wrath has already been decided. God's wrath has already been set in motion. And the Bible tells us that there's a real place 
place called hell and there is a real judgment that will come to those that are not under the blood. Jesus told about hell and he spoke about hell in his preaching more than he did heaven. There's people in this world today that are absolutely trying to convince themselves that God would not send anybody to hell. They're trying to convince themselves that there is not a hell. But the Bible tells us that the man of God, the man who was God, the Word which was God and became flesh among us, the Bible says that he tells us that there is a real hell. There is a real judgment and the wrath of God will be upon those who are God's enemies. Is everybody with me? Now we don't like that word, but the Bible tells us, can you go to Romans chapter number 5 and go to verse number 8? We're going to read 8, 9, and 10. The Bible tells us that there is a time where you and I were the enemies of God. This wrath is not on God's people. It's not on God's children. It's on God's enemies. So Romans chapter number 5 and verse number 8, it says, But God commendeth His love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Everybody say amen. amen. Verse number 9. For if when, or excuse me, much more than, being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from Everybody say it real loud. We shall be saved from through Him. Now verse number 10, look at verse number 10. Because we always stop at verse number 9. For if, when, we were enemies. See, the wrath of God was on God's enemies. Paul lays it out and tells us that there was a time... And if you're, if you're not saved, I need somebody to help me. You ain't a child of God. You are at this time an enemy of God. I Listen, I ain't saying that to make you mad, and I ain't saying that to get you to turn away from God. I'm just letting you know how God views it in the Bible and what God says about it. It says, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. I want you to understand that the wrath of God has been determined. It is coming to the enemies of God. And if you aren't saved today, you are one of those enemies. But I need you to hear me now. Don't get all upset right now because here's a good thing. Here's a good thing. While you were a sinner, go back to verse number 8, please, ma'am. But God commendeth, God proved, God demonstrated His love towards us that while we were enemies, I need somebody to help me. While we were enemies, while we were Sinners, the Bible says, Christ died for us. All right, this makes a lot more sense when we talk about God and Jesus telling everybody that we're to love our enemies. <laughs> hey, no greater love and no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. I got news for you, there's greater love than that. He laid down his life for his enemies. God's wrath, listen, I'm telling you, I, I, I know and we don't like that word. We don't like to hear that word in our churches, but you need to understand that God has already determined, God has already set in order His judgment upon His enemies. And so we see God's wrath. We see, number two, 
God's will. God's will, according to Scripture, is that no man perish. The Bible tells us in 2 Peter chapter number 3 and verse number 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish. The Bible tells us, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. The Bible tells us that God desires to be a part of your life. He wants fellowship with you, but the only way that you have fellowship with God is through His Son. And so God sent His Son to die for you so that you could avoid the wrath of God. Is everybody with me? Amen. We, 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 we don't understand. We don't understand the reality. The reality is, is that judgment is coming. Amen. The reality is, is that God does not want you That's right. to face that judgment. Amen. I say, where do you find that in Exodus chapter number 12? I think it's in verse number 2 and verse number 3 where he told Moses to gather all the congregation. And he says every man was to take a lamb. Is everybody with me? Amen. This is God's will. God's will is that none perish. Right. If you're in this room this morning, I need, I need you to listen and listen good. There's a lot of things going against you. There's people in there that you're worried what they might think about you. There's things that you've done in your past that you're worried that somebody might find out. There may be things that you've done in your past that you pass over as a, as a religious act that got you saved. I've heard all kinds of stories. I've heard people tell me that they've gotten wrecks on the side of the road and that they've seen some angel and that was when God saved them. That is not when God saved you. That's right. I need somebody to help me. That is not when God saved you. I, I hear people say, well, I was at a concert, and man, it was good, and everybody just went up to the front, and we all stood up front, and you could just feel God. Amen. And that was when I got saved, preacher. But that ain't when God saved you. Do you understand this? Jesus, God gave us, we see God's wrath, we see God's uh, will, but I want you to see God's way. There is only one way. Amen. And that is through a Passover lamb, which 1 Corinthians chapter number 5, Miss Tracy, and verse number 7, it is only one way. 1 Corinthians 5, verse number 7. There is only one way, all right? I want you to look at what the, 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 the Apostle Paul, as he writes to the church at Corinth, he says, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump. As ye are unleavened, for even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Do you understand? God was foretelling the way of redemption all the way back in Exodus chapter number 12. The Bible tells us in Exodus chapter number 12, God said that this month will be a new month for you. 
I need some Christians in here that know that when you got saved is when your life began. It was a, it was a time of beginnings. And God says in the, in the second verse, this month shall be unto you the beginning of months. And then the Passover would begin on the 10th day. On the Bible says on the 10th day that they were to take a lamb. The Bible says they were to choose out a lamb. I'm thankful this morning that from the, uh, from the foundations of the earth, it was foreordained that Christ is our Passover lamb. I say, preacher, why does that matter? Because if anybody else would have died on that cross, you and I would still be in our sin. The Bible tells us that he was born of a virgin. The Bible tells us he lived a life without sin. It is very significant because his blood was divine blood. His blood was blood without sin. His blood was uncorrupt. So when God sees his blood, He'll pass over us. Amen. The Bible tells us in John chapter number 1 and verse number 29, the, 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 the John the Baptist, as he was baptized and looked up and he seen Jesus and he said this, Behold, the Lamb of God that cometh to take away the sins of the world. John recognized him as the Lamb. John is one of the only ones that called him. John and Simon Peter were the only ones in Scripture that wrote out in their books and called him the lamb. He understood that there was a lamb that was coming. The Passover was just a foretelling or a foreshadowing of one that was to come. A lamb, according to the Bible, that was without blemish, that was without spot, according to the Bible. They had to have, their lamb had to be without blemish, it had to be without spot, and it had to, according to the Scripture, die on the evening of the Passover. Now, 10 days, they were to take on the 10th day, they were to choose out this lamb. We're going to get into this because we're going through the 10 days. But on the 10th day of the month, they were to choose out that lamb. And then on the 14th day, they were to kill that lamb. Now listen, everybody with me right here. The purpose of this was the lamb was to live with them and their family for four days. That meant when they killed the lamb, they had some skin in the game. There would be a love for that lamb. They would be mourning for that lamb when they had to kill that lamb. And Jesus came, born of a virgin, lived on this earth 33 years, and He shows us in four different gospels that he is without sin, amen, and without blemish. And the Bible tells us as we get closer to Jerusalem, we'll see it. The Bible says that Jesus entered into Jerusalem on the 10th day. He presented himself. Mm, we call it the triumphal entry. But this is where Jesus presented himself as king and they rejected him. Four days later, he would hang on a cross as the Passover lamb. Amen. See, the Bible, it fits together so perfectly. God showing us Amen. all the way back in Exodus that his wrath was coming, but that his will was that none perish and that he would make a way. And that way was his son, the perfect Lamb of God. 
the precious Lamb of God, Amen. who the Bible says was killed on the evening. See, he was killed in the evening. The Bible tells us that they were to kill, in verse number 6, the whole assembly, and you shall keep it until the 14th day. That's four days of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. The Bible tells us, as we go through, and we will go through the timeline of Jesus, that he died in the evening for our sins. Amen. Is everybody with me? Thank you, Lord. If you're in here this morning, I need you to hear me. We're approaching. We're approaching the Passover. But I want you to understand the Passover. God has set it in motion all the way back in Exodus. And he's told us of coming judgment. He's told us through Scripture that his will is that none perish. Amen. And he's told us through Scripture that there's only one way. That's right. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, yeah. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Amen. This tenth day, as Jesus begins towards Jerusalem, I didn't read it because I didn't want to get into preaching it. There was a rich young ruler that came to Jesus. And he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What, what, what do I have to do? Jesus says, obey the commandments. Keep the commandments. And he says, I've done all those things. I've done all these things from my youth. You know what he's saying? He said, I, I went to church. He was saying, I, I, I went to Sunday school. That's right. He's saying, I listened to some good Christian music. Amen. He's saying, hey, there's times I read my Bible. Right. He's saying, there was times that I prayed. This is what he was saying. I need everybody to understand me. This is what he was saying. And Jesus said this, one thing thou likest. He said, sell all you have and give it to the poor. And he says, and follow me. The Bible says that that rich young ruler went away sad because he had many possessions. We look at that as a church and we say, man, he was a prince and he had millions of dollars and everything else. But I want you to know something. I don't believe he was any richer than any of us. That's right. Come on. I need somebody to get out of our, get out of our, 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 our mentality that we're poor if we ain't got nothing. You and I got shoes on our feet, clothes on our back, roof over our head, cars to drive. I mean, we got things. We got things they never even dreamed they'd have. Amen. Well, one thing that we have that this man had that I'm worried about in our church, I'm worried about in the church today, and I ain't, I ain't talking about just ours, but in every church, we have religion. Come on. Amen. Come on now. We have religion. We have the belief that we can somehow earn the favor of God. And our churches has failed to teach the wrath of God. Amen. And the fact that you and I as sinners are enemies of God. God's given a Passover lamb. That Passover lamb is Jesus Christ according to Scripture. 
And this morning, He is the only way to salvation. Amen. Preacher, I prayed a prayer. Man, I prayed a lot of prayers when I was lost. Amen. I need somebody to help. Come on, I need somebody to help me. I'd break the law. I, is everybody all right? I was bad about it. I ain't going to lie about it. I break the law. I wouldn't steal nothing from you, but I, I, I break the law. And I knew just enough about Jesus to know I needed to pray and ask for forgiveness. This is how those went. God, if you'll get me out of this, I need somebody to help me. Anybody ever had a police knock at their door? <laughs> and they wasn't there asking questions about somebody down the road. <laughs> God, if you'll get me out of this. God, if you'll get me out of What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying not every prayer. It's prayer of salvation. As many of us that know to do things, and we've learned the, th we've learned the lingo, we've learned the routines, but there's only one way. God said they were to take that lamb and they were to kill that lamb, listen to me, in the evening. And they were to take the blood and the blood was to be offered to God. The blood was to be, that's the only thing God, listen, only thing God required was the blood. And it had to be put on the doorpost. God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Stay with me. God said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. They couldn't take the lamb and kill it. And say, now God, I did part of it. They couldn't take the lamb and kill it and not do anything with the blood. According to scripture, they had to apply the blood to their house, to their life. not good enough, listen, that Jesus died for all. That's right. Come on. That's right. It's not good enough that Jesus died for all. That's right. But the Bible says he died for the sins of the world. Yep. The Bible says for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever shall not perish but have everlasting life. That rich young ruler shows us he walked away sad. Jesus didn't run after him. religious man who was unwilling to trust the one way that God decided. It's not good enough you know about him. It's not good enough you read about him. It's not good enough you, is everybody with me? That you had some religious experience. The blood's not applied to your life still in danger of the wrath of God. But an innocent lamb hung on a cross for you 2,000 years ago, listen, and took the wrath of God upon himself so that you could go free. Roasted with fire. Fire in your Bible is always judgment. 
the judgment came on the lamb in Exodus chapter number 12. The judgment came on the son. John chapter number 19 as he hung on a cross. I wonder this morning if God was to pass through would he see the blood in your life? Heads bowed with me. Listen, I need you to get real serious with me. The danger in our churches today is that we have become a religious system. Many are still trying to work their way to heaven. And they're counting on something that they did that has nothing to do scripturally with salvation. Bible says for all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That means every person in this room. The Bible says that there is a judgment for that. It says the wages of sin is death. The word death there is total separation from God. Not just a physical death, it is a spiritual death. But the verse doesn't end there. It says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Passover. For the next 10 weeks, we're walking to the cross. For the next 10 weeks, we've got our eyes on the cross. As Jesus goes to Jerusalem to present himself as a Passover lamb for you, for me. There's a penalty, there's a, there's a, there's a wage the wrath of God's total separation but the Bible says this if we confess our sins the Bible says that he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins now that ain't a that ain't a salvation verse that's a verse after we get saved but God says it like this he says for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved For with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. This morning, I need somebody to hear me in this, in this bill. If you've been trusting your religion, if you've been trusting something that you did, if you have not put your faith in Christ, the Passover lamb, let's get it settled right now. I wonder if you'd pray with me right now. I mean, I wonder if you say this prayer with me. Repeat it after me, whatever. But you pray. If you believe that Jesus died for you, if you believe that he was buried, if you believe that he rose again, I wonder if you'd pray. Be honest with God. Say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Pray it with me. Heavenly Father, I come to you. Lord, I am a sinner. At this moment in time, Lord, according to Scripture, I am an enemy of yours. 
God, I recognize this morning I cannot save myself. I believe this morning that you sent your son, the Passover lamb, Jesus, to die in my place for my sin. I believe that he did that over 2,000 years ago on a cross to deliver me from my sin. I believe he was buried and I believe three days later he rose again. God, today, the best way I know how, I ask you to save me. I ask you to save me. Apply the blood to my life. Change my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Head still bowed. If you prayed that prayer with me or something similar, I want you to just lift your hand up right where you sit and say, Preacher, I prayed that prayer. I asked God to save me this morning. Is there anybody in the building to be honest with me? I'm not going to embarrass you. Is there anybody like that? Let's quit playing games, folks. I see it. I see it. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Lord, I love you. God, I'm so thankful, Lord, for those that have prayed with me this morning. God, I know there's many different ways to do an invitation, but God, I know you made salvation simple. For us, it wasn't simple for you. It wasn't easy. It wasn't free for you. God, I thank you, Lord, for the work of the cross. Lord, I thank you. I can raise my hand with so many others in this building and say, we have trusted you as our Savior. Lord, now we give you thanks for for others that have done it today. God, I pray, Lord, that as we go our separate ways, Lord, that you will, Lord, help us to be reminded as we walk through the next 10 weeks that according to the prophet Isaiah, you you set your face as a flint unstoppable, unmovable as you made your way to the cross to die for us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for providing a way for us to have eternal life. Thank you for our Passover lamb, Jesus Christ. Lord, may we live our lives in accordance to your will seeking to please you for what you have done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, Amen. Amen.